Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. Thank you, Pastor. I love our pastor, and I know you guys too. If you'll remain standing just for a little bit longer. I know you guys do too. He and his wife in uh, our church. Anybody love our church? I love our church. And uh, I, I said this earlier, and I'll say it again. I'll follow him as he follows Christ. And uh, I think he's a great leader. And I believe in what God has put in his heart. I believe it's for us. I believe it's for now. I believe it is for what God wants to do in the earth. And so it's an honor to speak in your stead while you're here. Uh, and, and sitting, you sitting out two weeks in a row. For a preacher, that's hard, y'all. That's, that's hard. And, um, but I, I'm, I'm thankful to to be able to preach today. And I'll tell you what, if you're visiting today, you need to come back next week because when a preacher's been on the bench for two weeks, it's like KD coming off the bench. He's ready, he's ready to roll. Um, and so uh, I encourage you, get back here next week and keep being a part of what God's doing. Hey, I want to read the scripture and then, uh, and then pray while we're standing. Um, the scripture we're going to look at today is, is a story of a lady named Rahab. And it's a really powerful theme. Um, 1 John 5, 4 says, The victory that overcomes the world is our faith. I'm talking about being undefeated, being a victor. And a life of faith is a life of victory. It's a life of victory. You're a winner today. You're a winner today. The fact that you're here means God, want, God wants you to win. The fact that you're in this building means you can win today. God brought you here to remind you of the winner that you are the winner that he created you to be. And Joshua 2, verse 1 says, Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies, secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And so they went and came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. Will you join hands with the person next to you? We're going to pray in just a second, and I want you to ask the person next to you, if you don't know their name, ask them what their name is. Go ahead and take a moment. Ask them what their name is if you don't know. Because many times, the reason I like to do this is many times we're unaware that there's somebody praying for us. And, and, and so I just want to take a moment join, to join hands with each other. And that person's name you just asked, or if you know that already knew that person, I want you to call their name out loud in prayer. Sometimes it's good. For us just to hear that somebody's praying for us, to hear that warm touch of love and faith, somebody's on our side. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for today. We're so thankful for who you are, for your faithfulness, for the way that you love us, and, and God, that you want us to know you more. So God, today I pray that you would reveal your heart, reveal your love, reveal yourself to the person that I hold hands with. I thank you today that they're important to what you're doing in the earth. 
I thank you that you created them fearfully and wonderfully. I thank you that you knew the days that they would live in before they ever lived one of them. I thank you that they were born for this time, for this, this place. I thank you that everything that you have for them is theirs, that they will get there. God, I pray encouragement into their heart today. I pray that they won't quit. I pray that their faith will stand up. I pray that they'll stand up and be confident in who you've made them to be. God, I pray that you would encourage their heart today to keep on walking, keep on taking steps into your plan for their life. We pray, we pray that you bless them, Lord. And God, now as we enter into your word and the message that you've given me today, it's not that I feel like I have command of the message, but I feel like the message has command of me. And Lord, I pray by your spirit that you would move in our hearts, in our lives. Wake up the champion, the winner in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. There's a champion inside all of us. There's a thought that I've had and bring you into my world for a little bit. Sometimes, and this is where I am this this week and this morning, is sometimes you preach a message that sometimes you're in the middle of something that represents to you more than just talking about the Word of God, or it represents to you more than just the act itself. Rosa Parks wasn't about a seat on the bus. The Boston Tea Party wasn't about tea. It was about what it, those moments represented. And I think what this represents to me is not so much as an opportunity to, to say something. I am glad. I feel like God's given me something to say as much as it is to find agreement with what God has put inside of me and stand here and look a couple of things in the eye that I'm, that I'm battling, some things that I would like to change, some battles that I haven't yet overcome, some places where I don't experience the victory that I know that Jesus wants in my life, to just look those things down straight in the eye and say, I'm coming for you. To in my faith and in what Jesus has called me to be, that I'm coming for you. And to me, that's what this represents, and that's why I'm passionate and firm about the word that I have this morning is because I think it matters so much for the way that I live my life. It matters for the way that God is moving in my life. And I think it matters for what God wants to bring us into as his people, as the people that, he's lo that he loves, the people that he has called, and the people of promise that we are. We are people of promise. I am a person of promise. God has plans for my life. He has plans for your life. He prepared them before you ever got here. Yes, he did. He, he, planned the, he, he planned the places that you would go. He planned the time frame that you would live in. He planned the people that would invest in you. He planned the people that would pray for you. He planned the, the dreams that are in your heart. He knew it all before you ever got here. And he said, I'm going to place me, one of you, right in the smack middle of this time because that's where I need you to increase my glory in the earth. You're a part of his plan to fill the earth with his glory. Every single one of you are. That's who we are. Once Christ rescued us, once Jesus rescued us out of the domain of darkness, he restored us to the glory of what we were created to be in Christ Jesus. And the thought that I've been having is that the world moves while I'm sleeping. There are things that are that in my life that I've just let stay there and don't deal with. I can become lazy. I can, I can sit back in a little bit of downtime instead of continuing to be progressive. 
I get, there, there's things that I wish I could do better, that I wish by now I would have mastered. There are things in my faith and in my discipline before the Lord that I would have loved to by now say, yeah, I've got a good hold on that. But I can't say that. But I can say I'm a person of faith. And I can say I'm coming for you. I'm not quitting today. And sometimes victory is not whether you win or lose. It's whether you quit. Victory, uh, you can lose one day and get back up and win the next. You can, lose, uh, you can lose in one moment, and you can lose the next day. You can fail a thousand times like Edison creating a light bulb and then still have a yes that I'm going to go get it in your heart and create that thing. It doesn't matter how many times you fail or how many times it looks like failure. As long as you're learning and you're progressing and you continue to say, I won't quit, and I know that victory is just ahead. And it takes a certain heart and capacity and faith to be able to do that. The world moves while I'm sleeping. You know, how many, uh, there are things that happen, decisions that are made all over the world that affect how we live our life and how we go through our life upon the earth. How many of you in here have an iPhone? Yeah. If things happen, things are created that change the way. How many of y'all are on that phone most of the day? Looking at something, scrolling through something, texting, calling, social media, doing, taking a picture, Snapchat, whatever it is, you're on that thing a lot. And it's, it, it, it says a lot about the way that we live our life. It's become a part and affects the way that we go about our daily life. What I'm saying, something can happen in the world in one place and affect something or somebody in another place. While Madame Curie was uh, discovering radium, that Albert Einstein was discovering the molecule and that later he would create an atomic bomb that would help end a war. That, that, uh, that was a devastating war where many, there was genocide and many evil acts were happening and it helped dispel that evil because while one thing was happening here, he was doing something over here. And if we're not careful, we'll allow the world to move forward without us. If we're not careful, we'll sit back and say we'll move with the world. But when we're believers, God has called us to move the world. He's called a, he has a plan, and he wants to move the world forward into his purpose and his plan of redemption and his plan of restoration and reconciliation for every person that would believe on him. And all it takes for somebody to enter into the purpose of God is somebody to hear the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to believe in their hearts, and all of a sudden they begin to step into the victory, of, uh, the victorious plan that God has for their life. Something can happen in one place that affects the world. And one thing that I've learned is those that move the world forward are those who believe both that the world needs to move forward and they are the, they are the ones who can do it. And we find Rahab here in Joshua chapter 2 in a crucial moment. It's uh, interesting that she's introduced to us as a harlot. That the introduction, the first time she's mentioned in the Bible, she's introduced in such a negative light that they went to the harlot's house, Rahab. It's a discouraging and kind of sometimes a very disheartening thing when we're introduced to somebody in the wrong light. Anybody else been there before? That sometimes we find ourselves in spots and circumstances in our life, attitudes, dispositions, demeanors of our life that are not the best representation of who we are or who God made us to be. Anybody else? Y'all going to leave me out there? Anybody else been there? Sometimes the snapshot is not the motion picture, right? Sometimes they don't catch us on our good side. They don't, 
We don't, we don't get to pause for the picture and say, hold up, let me get over here so you can get my good side. Sometimes the picture is taken when, it don't, when we're not at our best. Sometimes it's when we're at our worst. And we, we have to understand that there's a motion picture going on, that the snapshot doesn't tell the whole story. And so the, mo- the way that someone is introduced to me, or the way that I'm introduced to anybody would love to come up and say something after the way that he just introduced me right there. That, that, that's easy. He sells me up. The only thing I can do is disappoint after that and not, not live up to it. But when, it's a different thing, though, when you're introduced in such a negative light with such a devastating connotation in a place that would leave you ostracized in today's society and even in her society in those days. She's introduced to us as a harlot. And the thing that's going on here is uh, the people of Israel who have been rescued uh, out of Egypt. Moses, uh, God rescues them through Moses, leading them out of the Red Sea, something impossible in their life. They come through, God does miracles and to rescue them, and it's incredible things. They come through the Red Sea on dry land, get to the other side, and, and God brings them, delivers them out so that he can bring them into promise. They're 11 days away from the promised land that God, 11 days journey away from what God has promised them. That it's victory. I don't know where you are today or what, what kind of defeats you faced or setbacks you faced, but victory is still closer than you think. Victory is so much closer than you think. You think you got to get this done, this done, this done. It's not going to happen that way. It's going to start with a step of faith that moves you into the victory that God has for your life. 11 days journey away, they, they end up spending 40 years in this wilderness while only being 11 days away. Now today, I think it'll be a lot shorter because they were walking back then and it took them 11 days to walk. I don't think it'd take us that long uh, to drive to where they were going today. But uh, they, and Rahab's heard, heard of these stories. She's heard of what God has done and how, they, how, he, rescued, how he rescued them from the, the hand of Pharaoh and out of Egypt and out of oppression and slavery. She's heard all this. And uh, the, the thing that's captured my mind in this thing is that Israel, when they crossed over, originally Moses appointed 12 spies. He appointed 12 spies. Joshua, who's now leading them, that's why the book's called Joshua, uh, is now leading them. Joshua and his buddy Caleb. They're the only two spies out of the 12 that come back with a good report, with a favorable report from the land that they've spied out. That they were, God was ready to give it to them. And they came back and said, yes, we are well able to go and take this land. The fruit is good. This is the time that God has given us to go up. And then there's 10 other ones and saying, yeah, but there's giants there. And we are like grasshoppers in their sight. That's what the other 10 spies were saying. And so they made the heart of the people of God disheartened. That God brought us out here just to let us die. God saved me and forgave me of my sins just so that I can sit here and just go through life and make it through the rest of my days. That's not why God brought them out. But those people came back with that negative report and said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight, so we are in our own. So we are in our own. They referred to themselves as grasshoppers when they're the people of God. Somebody needs to hear today the things that you're looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself the negative things that you're calling yourself, the things that you think other people are calling you. Those things are lies from the enemy, and they are not what God's calling you. And you're becoming a grasshopper in your own sight when you are a child of God. You are a promise. You are a child of promise. You are a person designed for victory, built for victory, built to step into all that God has for you. 
That's who you are. They were grasshoppers in their own sight. And so then they ended up having to wonder for 40 years because they would not go up. Moses then didn't get to enter into the land of promise. But Joshua and Caleb, all the, the 10 spies who came back with a bad report died. And Joshua and Caleb are still living here in, in Joshua chapter 2. And, you know, uh, if you'll go with me, just imagine with me. I think Rahab, you know, if she's got all this family that she's going to refer to in this chapter, she's got all these things going for her. Um, she, she's, she's got enough to where she manages a house that she's the head of a house. I think she's lived for a while. And I, I think she may have been there when the 12 spies came to Jericho to spy out the land the first time. I think she may have. I think she may have been a young girl. And I think she, uh, Joshua and Caleb, you know, they're still around. And so I, they only sent two spies this time. Uh, in Joshua 2, the scripture there, they spent two, uh, two men as spies secretly because Caleb and Joshua said this time, let's get two people and let's share everything that we know about what God has done, everything in our heart about what God has promised us and how we've let it stay in our heart for 40 years and not possessing it. We didn't lose a heart for victory because we failed one time. We did, they didn't wallow in defeat when they came back with a good report and it wasn't enough. They wouldn't say, I wish I would have done this differently. I wish I would have said it this way. I wish I would have rallied more people together. No, they, they said, you know what? It's still in our heart today as it was the first day that we saw it, the first day that God gave it to us, the first day that he said we could live free, the first day he said we can be the righteousness of God, the first day that he said we can overcome the world, that we can conquer all things in Christ, the first day that he said we were somebody. I still believe that not in spite of the things that are circumstances in my life or the things that come of me that would tell me otherwise. And Rahab, I think she's, been there before. I think she may have encountered Joshua and Caleb and heard them say, man, if you would have seen how God did those miracles to discourage Pharaoh and to, to loose us from Pharaoh's grip and rescue us out of slavery. And man, then we were standing at the Red Sea and we're like, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go, Moses? And, and our, we see our enemies are chasing us down and they're coming down on chariots. And then all of a sudden the Red Sea opens before us and we look Rahab, we, we walked through, we walked through that land. We walked through that sea on dry land. And we came to the other side and we looked back and we thought, oh, they're going to make it through too. And all of a sudden the sea just collapses on them and God swallows up our enemies and he defeats them and he rescues us out of what we could have never got out of. In fact, we wasn't even thinking about getting out of it, but God thought about it and he said, I'm going to raise up Moses and I'm going to send him to deliver my people because they are people of promise and not slaves. It's the same way that Jesus rescues us and God sends Jesus to rescue us. The whole canon of scripture, the reason we have the Bible is a story of how God said, I will not let my people live separate from me. I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to bring them back together. I'm going to make a way from them. I don't care what else is going on in their life. I don't care who else closed the door. I'm going to open a door. I'm going to say, you come on through, come on to victory. There is a way, but you got to have a heart to go get it. You got to have a certain tenacity of faith to step into it. And I think Rahab was, may have overheard a conversation and she was like, hmm, that's pretty interesting. And so Joshua and Caleb, they tell these two spies, now when you go to Jericho, it's going to sound crazy, y'all, this is going to sound crazy, but when you go to Jericho, go to that harlot's house. Go to that harlot's house. 
Because there's going to be somebody there that's going to be able to encourage you. That's going to, maybe she'll remember. Maybe Joshua and Caleb looking at each other. You think maybe she'll remember what we told her about our God? And then she had heard from there how God had given them victory over other enemies. And we, we find there in Joshua 2 a little bit uh, further and uh, verse 8. While everybody else is sleeping in Jericho, Rahab makes her move. She said, we missed it one time. And if this God can deliver them out of Egypt and through the Red Sea, if he can give them victory over these mighty kings, if he can give them manna in the wilderness, if he can give them shoes that last for 40 years. Anybody ever had a shoe that lasts for 40 years? God provides them shoes that don't wear out for 40 years. If he can do that, maybe I can move myself into this heritage. God looks out for his people, and I think I want to be associated with the people of God rather than introduced always as the harlot. And these two spies, they come in there. Do you you ever have something in your life that... Is a ten, you know it's a tendency in your life. It's kind of that tendency that hangs over your head. That's what this harlot thing is for Rahab. You ever got a tendency that's a negative thing in your life? And as much as you desire to be free from it, there's something you, you just you keep leaning towards it or it, keeps, and it becomes a cycle and you keep circling it. And you got the, you're fighting the same battle today. And maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm, but you're fighting the same battle today that you were fighting three years ago. You're dealing with the same struggle today that you were dealing with five years ago. You're dealing with the same problems that come from your childhood when God has given a way of victory to move past it. And Rahab is like, maybe, maybe this God that I've heard about, you know, because they didn't want to really get out of Egypt. And then when they were in the wilderness, they were rebelling against God. They wouldn't do what he asked them to do. They are having a real hard time. Maybe God's not looking at my tendency. Maybe he's looking at something totally different. Maybe he just needs one person like Moses to believe God in the face of everything else. You know, that's what, that's what it's like. The whole world goes one way, but that, it takes somebody to look and go upstream and be the counterculture to go the other way and say, no, nah, I think we need to head this way that opens up the door. Things remain the same until somebody stands up and says, this is not what God has for me and my family. Let me make a change in my direction and step the other way. That's what happens with progressive times in the world. If you look at, I've been watching that series Genius on uh, National Geographic. I love reading about Albert Einstein. He was crazy now. He, He had some crazy stuff going on. But that joker, he, he dared to think differently than everybody had ever told him. He dared to be different. That's what the Bible says of Caleb and Joshua. They had a different spirit. They followed the Lord fully. They said, you know what? I'm not going to be halfway in on this thing. I'm going to have one foot in here into my faith and another foot in the world. I'm not going to have one foot in the kingdom and the promise of God and one foot with doing my own thing, whatever I want to do. So they followed the Lord fully. They were willing to be two out of all of Israel 
Two out of all of Israel that God rescued that said, nope, there's another way and we ain't giving up on it. Einstein was called a fool. Einstein was refused by schools. He was, he was, uh, his ideas were refused. His, he, he wasn't allowed to, he had a, he had got kicked out of a school that he finally got entered into. And then when he graduated, nobody would hire him because they said he's a fool. Once he learned a little humility and began to present it a different way, once his character came through, then he was able to maintain that cause within him that things can be different. Roger Bannister ran as the first person who broke the four-minute mile. Everybody said it cannot be done. There's no way it can be done. The guy they thought were going to break it was going to break it. He, he ran it a couple of times and hit 402, 401, and finally said no one will ever break the four-minute mile. And just a few days after he said that, Roger Bannister runs and breaks the four-minute mile. Because he was the one person who was crazy enough to think he could. The Wright brothers said, everybody says, nobody can ever fly. That's crazy. Uh, We shouldn't even be thinking about flight. And there are two guys who are putting, one of the Wright brothers was sick, while the other Wright brother read to them about principles of flight, of how birds fly. And he thought, man, this can be done. And when he got up from being sick, they went and worked on it and were the first to, uh, to fly. Without the resources that people who were funded by the government, by different governments to be able to discover flight, without the resources and the support, they were the first to do it. Why? Because they believed they can do it. Those that move the world forward are the ones that believe it needs to move forward and that they can. Roger Bannister breaks the four-minute mile. 53 days later, the next person breaks it. Once it's done once, it can be done again. And so Joshua and Caleb have modeled this life. And you know, at the end of Joshua's life, you know what it said? You know what it said of him? It says, all the days of Joshua, the people served God. All because one person, two people, Joshua and Caleb, for all 40 years, were willing to say, no, we need to go this way. And sooner or later, it's going to reveal that that's the right thing. And they had the tenacity of faith to believe God and trust God through opposition to achieve victory. And that's the thing they won't tell you about victory. Yes, victory is provided for us in Jesus Christ. Yes, death is swallowed up in victory through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Yes, his blood paid the price for your sins. Yes, you are forgiven. Yes, any man who believes in Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God, that God sent him and believes in him, then he, he's, he's saved. That's true. But victory has to be achieved through opposition. At the beginning of every season, I'm a football coach. At the beginning of every season, every team in America has the same goal. They want to win a state championship. They want to win. And it's possible that they can win. They'll have opportunities to step into. But the thing is, they think the opportunity is a Friday night or a Saturday night. But that's not the opportunity that you need to seize. You cannot seize that opportunity unless you seize the small ones before the big one. The small ones look like for our high school students showing up to Woodruff High School at 7.15, four days a week throughout the summer. Some of them during the whole semester while they participated in spring sports 
showing up four days a week at 6 a.m. to lift before school, go to school, practice their other sport or compete in their other sport, do their homework, go around and do it again, all while keeping good grades, most of them. That's, that's where the opportunity is. We want, to, we want to be free from this tendency. We, want, we think it will happen when we get this or when somebody does this for us. But the truth is, it's going to happen when you shut that door and you get in secret and you say, you know what, I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to remain the same. Einstein said this, insanity is doing the same thing, expecting different results. And so at some point, you got to get down in your heart and you say, you know what, if the change is going to happen, let it start with me. One of the greatest revivalists of all times, he was in a room full of preachers who wanted to know a secret, and they said, hey, tell us the secret of how God works revival. He says, you get down in your room, you get a piece of chalk, and you draw a circle in the floor. You get on your knees, and you shut the door, and you say, start with me. You want victory in your life? It's got to start with this internal motivation. You say, you know what? I'm uncomfortable living. Charles Finney, another revivalist, another guy who had, he would walk into a city, and people would get saved. Incredible stuff. He was called crazy by a lot of people. But you know what he did? There was a people love his ministry and his books and things like that. But you know what he did? He went up on a mountain one day while he is a well-paid lawyer. Went up on a hill. And he said, I'm not coming down from this hill until you have my heart. And he stayed up there until he had fully given his heart to the Lord. And then he begins to walk in victory and pulls other people into victory too. And Rahab is this person who seems like I don't know, you guys ever feel like the world's moving ahead without you? You ever, you ever feel like things are happening for other people but not for you? You ever feel like you're just a half step too late, a second too late on everything, that you missed the opportunity by that much, you missed the opening by that much, and sooner or later you begin to think, man, have I missed it altogether? Is God leaving me? Why would God create a world that closes the door on me? Why would God create a world that has me constantly being in this position of defeat? And we ask that question like a victim. I do. I do. God, when's it going to happen for me? When are you going to do it for, for me? When God's saying, I've already done it for you, buddy. I've already done it for you. The door is open. But you've got to activate your faith. And you got to be disciplined enough to come with me. Rahab says, you know what? I've heard all this, and it's about time I take a step of faith. The Bible says that every man has been given a measure of faith. The Bible has a lot to say about faith, but every man has been given a measure of faith. Faith is the power to believe. Every person has faith. I cannot tell you what to believe. Every person gets to choose what they do with that measure of faith, that power to believe. I can talk all day about what I believe, but at the end of the day, you get to choose what you believe. God has given you that right as a person. You get to choose what you believe. I can't talk you into it. I can't talk you out of it. You can't talk me out of what I believe. 
We can have conversations, respect each other, understand each other. But you get to choose what you believe. I get to choose what I believe. To every man, it's a gift that you have from God, the power to believe. Not just in spiritual terms, but in, uh, with sociology or psychology. Many times uh, they will say that the difference is that a person believes something when others wouldn't. This power to believe is an amazing power. It's the, the, the money's not the greatest power you'll ever have. A position, a prominent position or a title is not the greatest power that you'll ever have. The greatest power that you ever have is the power to believe. And you get to do with it whatever you want. And Rahab had this power. And she came to this point and said, you know what? This tendency is about to break. Right now, I have no association with the people of God, but this God is incredible. And this is what she says while everybody else is sleeping. She says, verse 8, Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came up out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, whom, whom you utterly destroyed. And when we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now think about this. Rahab has hidden them on the roof. She could just go to sleep like everyone else. And she says, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. Because if God has given them victory everywhere they've went, and they've come here, what's about to happen? God's about to give them victory again, and I want to be a part of it. I don't want to be destroyed. I don't want to be annihilated. And you know what? This is a good day for me to win. It's a good day for me to change my tendency. And you know what? To, the, the, the incredible thing about Rahab is the way that she is introduced to us in this chapter as a harlot is not the way that she is described at the end of the Bible. Hebrews and James, Hebrews 11, the story of faith. You know, he, he starts off by faith. Uh, our faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. And there's so many things I could tell you about what faith is, what it isn't. Faith, you know, faith is, uh, fa faith is not a crutch. It's not a coping mechanism. It's not something that just gets me through the day. Faith, is, uh, faith is, is not just, I believe, I believe, I believe. Faith is practical. It, it's putting action. It's putting money where your mouth is. Faith is not the opposite of reasoning. It's a different form of reasoning. It's a higher form of reasoning and thinking because it starts with God. And if God is this, then this must be. This type of faith is what we see in the gospel while Jesus is walking around. There's a woman who's bleeding internally. And uh, she's been bleeding internally for 12 years. She went to all these doctors and, and tried to get all the help that she could get. And it says when she came to the end of herself, she had this statement, this statement of faith, her power to believe. She decided faith is like a muscle. If you work it out, it'll grow. It'll become a force to be reckoned with. You, you, can, you can say something to somebody who just kind of, kind of believes, or you could say something to somebody who really believes. You can, an enemy can uh, come at me and, and lie to me about one thing, but what it cannot do, it cannot take my faith. 
And when my faith gets pushed on, it'll push back. And say, watch out now. That's one thing you can't mess with. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I would be made well. Such a small thing. But God saw the faith that was in her heart and rewarded it. That's why Hebrews 11 goes on to say, Hebrews eleven six 6, that by faith we, uh, we please God. Because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith. And he's not looking for you to do everything right all the time. He's not looking for you to win every battle. Loss and disappointment are part of life. You're going to lose some. You're going to lose some loved ones. You're going to lose some battles. You're going to lose, lose sometimes some, some people that you wanted to win over. You're going, people are going to reject you. Things are going to happen in your life that are tough, that are opposed to what God has for you. But you can still please God in spite of what you did wrong, what you didn't do, what nobody else did for you, because it's this faith that's in her. And she says, if I could just touch, if I could do this small thing, if I could just do this small thing, then everything would change in my world. The widow who gave everything that she had, the widow's might in the gospel, where then Jesus says, these people give so they can be seen. They can be seen and flash all their gifts and all that stuff. But this lady gave in all that she said. He said, they out of their surplus give, but she gave all that she had. An act of faith that Jesus said, her, her name and her story will forever be attached to mine. That's what I want in my gospel. That's what I want in good news, is that there's a person. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you look like, what you've done or what you haven't done, what you did wrong. It doesn't matter any of that. It matters there's this faith that, that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. It's faith. And then Hebrews 11, it talks about Abraham and it talks about Enoch and it talks about uh, Isaac and Moses and Sarah. It talks about all these people. And then it's about to go into this, this uh, verse um, where it kind of lists some other champions of faith. But right before it, the writer says, by faith, Rahab. She was introduced to us as a harlot, and she exits as a person of faith. That her name would forever be attached to the redemptive purpose of God. James 2, 25 and 26 is the last mention of her in the Bible. And it talks about her as having somebody who expressed her faith through works. It's a chapter that says, faith without expression is dead. It's not just I believe and I'm silent. It's something that I must express that I have to express, I express it through different actions. And look how Rahab expressed her faith. Swear to me, it's not just that I've heard about who your God is. Let me take it a step further. Please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with me, with my father's household, and give me a pledge of truth. Spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, with all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. That's incredible. She didn't see the miracles. She wasn't part of the rescue and the, that 
incredible feeling and emotion that they would have had after watching their enemies that have held them captive for so long be swallowed in the sea. She didn't taste the manna in the wilderness or drink the water from the rock. She said, I've just heard of this God, and I want in on it. Did you know Rahab changed the purpose, not, not just the purpose, changed the destiny, not only of herself, but of her entire family that day? You know, she entered into a new heritage and a bloodline that day and brought her family with her. Sometimes we look at our heritage, where we came from, who our dad was or wasn't whether he was there or not. These different things in our past that try to have a hold on us and define us, the way that we're introduced to every great experience in our life, every new opportunity, the way that we define ourselves as we move through them. And she says, you know what, not only that, I want to change my heritage. I want to get in this bloodline and in Matthew chapter 1, where Matthew's listing the generations, you know who's listed in there? Rahab. She will forever be linked to the redemptive story of Jesus. And she moved the world. I'm telling you, she moved, the only thing that can really change the world is Jesus. I mean, really change the hope and the and the the questions that are deep within about purpose and meaning and value and belonging, about who we are is Jesus, about being redeemed and being something of value is Jesus. And her story is now forever tied to the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death, the burial, the resurrection. She entered into a new bloodline, and she wasn't so selfish. You know, the world will tell you, hey, you got to take care of you, put you first. Make sure you're writing down everything they got you doing at work so that you can build your resume, so that you can get one up on somebody else. Make sure that you're so driven and busy and that you're occupying all this. The world will tell you all kinds of crazy stuff. And then all of a sudden, when it doesn't happen for you, it'll tell you all these lies about why and what you did, what you couldn't do. But she says, you know what? I'm going to move the world. And it's not going to be I do something in front of 10,000 people or do something that the news gets a hold of. It's not even creating a product like an iPhone because that too will fade away. It won't last. But the faithfulness of God is from generation to generation. The love of God endures forever and never end. To their kingdom there will be no end. To his kingdom there will be no end. What if moving the world was just a step of faith? What if you could change the world with just a step of faith? A daily step of faith. You know what really changes the world? It's when we stop having a cold heart toward the people around us. That's what stops changing. You know, Rahab is living in this that dysfunction and maybe even inherited it through her family. And she says, no, I want my whole father's household to get in on this thing too. And when you save me, I want you to save them too. And I know you're coming here to defeat 
And God's going to give you this. But I want to be here with you. I want to stand in the victory that God's given to you. So you don't have to, you didn't have to grow up in church. You don't have to know the scripture from front cover to back cover. All you got to do is have faith. And say, you know what, today I want to be a part of that victory. This victory that we talk about, this victory that overcomes the world. That takes away the sting of death. I want to be a part of that. It starts with just a step of faith. And she said, I've remembered the Lord. I remember what they told me about the Lord and all that he had done. Then, you know what she did? She received the messengers that were sent, as well as the message. Spent time in fellowship with people that may encourage her, tell her some good news. I think a harlot hears good news when people come into her house. Somebody's coming in with some good news. She receives that good news in her heart, and she says, you know what? I believe it so much, I'm going to hang the scarlet thread out my window. That's a representation of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And while everything else in this city and everyone else in this city may get destroyed, the world can take everybody else. You can go with the world if you want to, but I'm going with Jesus. And then she's listed in this beautiful story, the lineage of Christ. All because of a step of faith. What's a small step of faith that you can make based off what you believe? Maybe you believe God is your source. He'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. See, faith, my faith isn't looking for something to stand on, Pastor. My faith is what I stand on. And all I got to do is feed that muscle for it to swell up. I feed it the word of God. For my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Maybe, maybe it's anxiety or something. I'm really, I don't know. I've told you, Pastor, I, I just sense that there's a real ministry moment here for people who deal with anxiety. And anxiety, I just want you to, we, we talk about it and we make it so estranged sometimes. Uh, panic attacks and things like that. Anxiety is such a debilitator and a thing that paralyzes us. A lot of people today, especially young people, I see it a lot in the guidance office at Woodruff High School. Anxiety comes from what an event or an opposition an experience, you know, our, our, we catalog our experiences in our hearts and in our minds like a volume of encyclopedia, you know. And we, we catalog all these things and we're trying to find a reference point for what we need to do next. But it seems like the thing that overwhelms it is our failures, things, our missteps, you know. And I've learned this. That the only thing, and sometimes I have to remind myself of it when I see somebody in a hard place, in a hard time. They can win because of what Jesus has done. 
we start to give up on people. We start to give up on ourselves. We start to give up on people around us. We see stuff going on all around us. We start to give up on people. You just need one reason. The relentless love of God. And the relentless love of God. Somebody that would be spit on because he loves you. Somebody that walked through naysayers that would carry a cross. Somebody that would be nailed to it. Somebody that would say, I'll lay my life down and I'll pick it up again for them. I love them that much. A love that would allow himself to be reduced to humanity. Man. That type of love. That's the reason you got a shot to win. That's the reason you can win. That's the reason it's a good day to start winning today. Whatever you're facing and those anxieties. You know, anxieties tell you, they make you believe, they make you come to a conclusion based off an opposition, a pressure, a challenge that you face that is untrue. That's what anxiety does. Anxiety is a part of life. We get anxious about things because we start to think about what's my end going to be? What's this going to look like for me? What's this going to say about who I am? What does this experience say? And we get anxious off that. What are they going to think of me, about me? And that, what that says about who I am? That's where the anxiety comes from. And there are people, I know it with a whole heart, and hopefully we'll have some time to minister and I'm not going to make you stand up or anything like that. That's silly. But I say, I know that the anxiety that you're feeling is paralyzing you. I know it is. It's closing in on you. You know, that's when you feel like you're claustrophobic. Everything's closing in on you at the same time. You see, that anxiety starts to go from just the area that it came from, and it starts to go into other aspects of your life. And it starts to build and, and flow over. I wonder what the anxiety Rahab must have felt with her lifestyle and with knowing that this might be my end. I don't want to die here. This is not how I want to die. When Jesus, this is where you want to be when Jesus comes back? No. So this is not my end. See, faith presses back against anxiety. Faith stares it in the face. Faith says, in spite of this, in spite of this, I want to read a quote. I didn't get to read it in the first service. Genuine belief is maintained in spite of circumstances that would undermine the belief and not simply because of circumstances that would confirm it. It does not take a great deal of imagination or courage to believe that God is on your side when you are prospering or winning. But it takes a great deal of courage and imagination to believe that God is on your side when you are suffering or losing, to believe in love in the face of hatred, life in the face of death, day in the dark of night, good in the face of evil. To some, all of this may seem to be hopelessly naive, wishful thinking or whistling in the dark, but it is the courage of confidence that says in spite of even unto death. I love that. 
And I've seen people overcome circumstances that people would say are insurmountable through the power of the blood and through the name of Jesus. I've overcome so many things in my life to this point, and I have things that I'm yet to come over, but I'm coming. So I come to stare it in the face. And maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe in this, we worship here at the end. And we respond to God in this song. Maybe that's what you need to do. You need to stand and say, I'm looking it in the face. And in spite of this, my heart belongs to God. And I believe his plans for my life. I believe that victory is just a couple of steps ahead. I believe I'm going to take a step today towards victory. And you can, you can say what you want to. You can look at me how you want to. But I'm taking a step. I'm, taking my, I'm standing on my faith. I'm standing on the word of God. The God who began this good work in me will bring it to completion. He will cause me to prevail in spite of my circumstances. And maybe I'll move the world. Maybe I'll move the world. You move the world when one person, one more person enters into the love of God. You enter in to his glory. We talk a lot about, in our court system, guilty by association. When Jesus, you're acquitted by association. All you got to do is show up with him. He says, all right, that's all I needed to see. You chose to have the faith. Somebody might, you might be trapped in sin this morning. And that might be where your anxiety comes from. And you say, man, I'm going to die apart from the love of God. Well, today's your day. You take a step of faith. You take a step of faith. And I tell you what, it'll change not only your life, it'll change your family's life. It'll change the people that come after you. You know what? It might just change the world. God did not call us to move with the world. He called us to move the world. Will you just stand to your feet with me? When we worship in a moment, I'll, I'll, I'm going to stand down here. A few of the uh, prayer people will stand by here. and You can come, and you may not want anybody to pray with you. You may just want to respond. But if you need, would like somebody to pray and believe God with you, then a few of us are going to stand down here. You, you might... You might be a person that says, you know what, I'm, my heritage doesn't look like faith, but it's about to start looking like that today. I'm going to take this step. Some of you may have real, real deep anxiety, and it's a good moment just to come and have somebody pray with you and remind you of your purpose and your destiny. And God, God, I pray today, I've exhausted the time that you've given me. As I like to say that I know I have not exhausted the Spirit of God. You knew every need before you came, before we met here today. You knew that every person would be here. And God, it's a good day. I've shared this message today because it's a good day to win. It's a good day to win. There's good news. You can win. I don't know what you're facing. I don't care how long you've been dealing with it how long it's been staring you down. I don't care what it's been telling you. I don't know what you've been facing, but you can win today. Today's your day to win. Today's your day to look that thing in the eye and say, come on if you're coming, baby, because I'm here and I ain't going nowhere. Today's the day to say that my faith says that my God can move mountains. My God can make a way 
through the Red Sea. My God can cause walls to fall down. That's the God that I serve. Lord, we praise you today for your people. We praise you today for your grace, for your love, your faithfulness. And we praise you today that you are a rewarder of faith. Every step of faith that we make, you reward it. Whether it's tomorrow or 40 years, like it was for Joshua and Caleb. But you always reward it. You never fail. You're always true to your promises, always true to your word. Lord, give us a faith like that. Give us a faith that won't back down. Give us a faith that won't quit. Give us a faith that will overcome. Give us a faith that will possess the promises of God. Give us a faith that will cause people to be saved. Give us a faith that makes your glory feel Greer, Greenville, Spartanburg. Give us a faith, God, that moves the world. Give us a faith that won't re relinquish victory. Give us a faith that says, I'm coming in the name of the Lord. And he's a great God. And he will do it. We pray it today in Jesus' name.